Good morning, Outlook family. Sure is good to see everyone this morning. Whether you're with me here in the room or we're gathered online, uh, we are together, and that is a good place to be. Amen? Uh, a couple weekends ago, I had the honor of conducting the funeral for a sweet lady named Beulah. Beulah had this great uh, thing about her that I didn't know about till then. Beulah had been a part of our church for a while, but then moved down out of state uh, with her family. So I hadn't seen her in a bit, and, uh, but got to know this aspect of her life as we were preparing for her celebration of life. And there's this thing about Beulah that she'd been doing for years. If she were out, if she were shopping or at dinner or really anywhere she was, and if someone were to say to her, have a nice day, her answer would always be the same. Is there any other kind? If you wake up, it's a great day. If you don't wake up, it's a glorious day. Now you got to love that, right? I mean, those are some goals if I ever saw any. And uh, I'm thinking to myself, I want to be like Beulah when I grow up. That just sounds... That just sounds good. That level of spiritual maturity, that perspective, I bet it's something that all of us in one sense or another are aiming to make true in our own lives. And that's what I want to talk about. That's what we're talking about this morning, growing up and growing in Christ. So in this series, we're refreshing ourselves on the mission of our church and what that looks like and how it applies to all of us. So uh, our mission here at Outlook is to develop all of us. Someone say all of us. All of us as disciples of Jesus who are connecting. That's what we talked about last week. Growing, serving and going. Today, we're going to go into that verb growing. Now, so many passages in the scriptures that we could look at today, without a doubt, it's a resounding theme throughout God's holy word, that he wants us to grow and mature in him, to be strong in him. But I'm only going to look at a couple this morning. We're going to spend most of our time in Colossians chapter 2, but then somewhere in the middle there, I'm going to take an exit ramp, and we're going to let Jesus tell us a parable that applies perfectly to what we're talking about today and what we're reading in this passage. So I'm excited to dive in. <coughs> Pardon me just a second. I'm so excited to dive in. <clears throat> Let's begin with Colossians chapter 2. Paul is writing this letter to these Christians, <clears throat> and he says, For though I am far away from you, my heart is with you. And I rejoice that you are living as you should and that your faith in Christ is strong. Now, this simple little verse here tells us a lot about what's going on in the lives of these early Christians and what, how Paul feels about them. If you remember, the Apostle Paul was like a missionary. I mean, he went from city to city telling people the good news of Jesus. People would say yes. They would gather together, form a church. He would hang out with them, kind of help them get going. And then he would move on to another city. So now he's writing this letter back to these Christians in um, this city. And so he's saying to them, look, I know I'm not with you. In fact, I'm far away. But be assured, my heart is with you. And I am happy that you are growing strong in Christ. And so this is confirmation of the aim of a local church. We should be a people who are simply growing in Christ together, growing strong, as he puts it, and our hearts are in it. He goes on, And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. 
Now, it might be tempting to think, yeah, okay, uh, yes, I've accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord. Uh, we certainly understand that's what it means to become a Christian, and so, okay, fine. But does it really mean what it, you know, I must continue to follow him? Well, interestingly, in the original language, what this means is you must continue to follow him. It really does mean exactly that, that, that when we, uh, it literally means to walk out your belief, or the, the verb to walk is embedded in the original language. So we are to walk out, not just receive that gift of grace, but then to walk out what it means in our day-to-day life. And who's to do that? You and I are to do that. You must continue to follow Him. See, it's one thing if I get in my car, and I uh, set my GPS to a certain destination, right? But it's another thing to start driving. And in fact, setting my GPS means nothing. It's meaningless without the second thing to start to drive. And so setting our sights on Jesus and, and saying yes to him is where all good things begin, but it's only the beginning, right? We must continue to follow him. Now, it doesn't say you must continue to perfectly follow him doesn't say you must continue to flawlessly follow him, but it simply says you must continue to follow him, to walk it out, to stay with him. And that is up to us, right? That part is up to us. Let's illustrate this by listening to Paul a little further. Now I'm in verse 7. Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong. That's exactly what he has said is his aim for them. I'm glad to hear your faith is growing strong. Now he's telling us how to do this and how for it to continue to be the case. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught, and you will overflow with thankfulness. So this all sounds pretty awesome, right? Who, wouldn't, uh, who would disagree that this is a great goal for all of us as believers in Jesus, and then certainly a great goal for a local church. So when we put that verb growing in our mission statement, we're getting a great description of exactly what this means. It shows up twice just in this passage. So when I think of a local church and I think of this idea of growing, the first word picture that comes to my mind is a greenhouse, is a greenhouse. Think about what happens in a greenhouse. In, in, in a greenhouse, you've, cr- you've created uh, the conditions for ideal, ideal conditions for growth, right? There's a lot of support there for growth. In fact, the whole purpose of the greenhouse is that everything in it is growing and thriving. And that's, I think, a great picture of what a local church should be. It's all about who's in that greenhouse growing and thriving. It's not about the greenhouse getting bigger. It's about the people in the greenhouse getting deeper and more fruitful. Amen? And so that's what a local church should be about. And so here at Outlook, we're always striving to create an environment in which spiritual growth is normative and encouraged. And it's what's happening in and between us all the time, like a fervent, uh, verdant greenhouse, right? And so when I think of my job in the greenhouse, or any of us as pastors or elders, right, but even particularly, let's say this moment right here, my job is to bring a big bucket of miracle Grow to the greenhouse, right? Just slap that puppy on the table and start scooping it out. Because we need fed the good nutrients of God's Word. And then we need to learn how to do that for ourselves through the spiritual disciplines we feed ourselves. We take that word in. It helps us grow and will wither 
without it. Then there's the water of encouragement and prayer. We can water each other. In that way, we're encouraging each other. We're praying for each other. And then when we gather in moments like this one, when we've, like, as we've just so beautifully been led in worship, man, worship magnifies that. It's like the, on a Sunday morning when we gather for worship, it's like the clouds part and the sun comes in and warms that greenhouse and that greenhouse magnifies that heat and that light and clarifies it for us and we just grow, grow, grow. At least I've experienced that in worship and I bet you have too. And of course, when we're talking about this idea of a greenhouse, we're not talking about the physical structure of the church. We're not talking about this room or, or this building or even this campus, although great things can happen in all those uh, various places. What we're really talking about is the environment we create in and among each other. Yes, here on Sunday morning, but in our small groups, whenever, when we're out in the community serving, that we're talking about what's real between us. What are we fostering? What... what, what um, what structure have we built around us to create an environment where I grow and you grow and we help each other grow, right? I'm reminded when I think about this of a, a summer job I had for just a couple weeks one summer because it was a very limited project. But I had a buddy whose family were farmers and so he kind of had the inside track on this test plot that was uh, not far from where we lived. Um, and so a study was being done in which different rows of corn uh, had different fertilizers, different chemistry, different things happening. And so for a couple of weeks, we were bussed uh, to this field and we would go up and down the rows and tell the person at the end of the row how many ears of corn we'd counted because then they needed that data. We were inspecting the fruit, so to speak, of that fertilizer and of that chemistry and of that test plot. And, and every couple of rows, it was a different combo. And so we would give them that data. Pretty weird job to spend your day doing that. But it was also one that, you know, it's hard to forget. It was kind of cool in its own way. And I think about that job. And then I think about this job. And I think about how they have some similarities. Now, in no way, do I walk up and down these rows inspecting you, right? Yeah, thank God someone said, right? <laughs> but I will confess that I'm praying for you, that I care about the fruitfulness of your lives, that I'm looking for, aiming for, praying for, rejoicing when I see, meeting with you to help cultivate, right, fruit in your lives. That if this is a greenhouse, then my goal, my prayer, the devotion of my life and the life of all our pastors and elders is that you're all flourishing and thriving, amen? And so while we don't necessarily inspect each other, I'm not counting things, right? We do want the best for each other. And if, if fruitfulness is rising, we rejoice in that. That makes us happy for each other. That's what should happen in a local church. We're all happy to see each other thriving and growing. We wrote in our guiding vision, I mentioned that last week, that a couple of years ago our elders got together and spent months and months putting together a vision that will guide us into our church's future. And at one point we wrote down, we aim to maintain a discipleship culture that's high expectation, challenging each other to serious growth and lovingly holding each other accountable, as well as high grace and high freedom. 
refraining from slipping into pharisaical judging or inflexibility or legalism. That we wanted to state clearly that creating a culture of discipleship was one of our absolute main aims as a local church, those ideal conditions for growth. It's what a local church should do because we've decided and we've come to realize that discipleship to Jesus equals human flourishing. That everything the world is looking for, every human soul out there hungering for meaning and and purpose and love and fulfillment and acceptance will find counterfeit, mediocre, and disappointing versions of that in the world. And they'll chase, we all will, as hard as we can to find them. We are simply people who've discovered, stumbled upon, and seen the treasure that is the gospel of Jesus. And that we've come to realize that all those things that every human being is hungry for, thirsty for, searching for, is only ultimately found in Him. Human flourishing really happens best and most and at its fullest in discipleship to Jesus Christ. Now, the soil of our hearts is the one ingredient that I've not talked about yet in this greenhouse. We've got the sun, we've got fertilizer and water and and a a good environment, but what's happening in each of us? That deserves some reflection and attention. And this is where I'm going to take this offshoot and let Jesus tell us a story. Because I don't know of a more insightful and accurate description of how this truly works in the souls of human beings than Jesus' parable of the soils. In the, in the story, Jesus talks about a farmer who broadcasts his seed, and the yield of that seed is dependent on the quality of the soil on which it lands, what's happening in, that, in and around that soil, and then whether or not that seed will bear fruit. And in Luke chapter 8, starting in verse 11, Jesus then explains this parable. So that's where we're going to jump in. These are the words of Jesus. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. The seed is God's word. Now, back to that guiding vision for just a moment. We believe so strongly here at Outlook that God's word really is the supernatural seed that every human heart needs. If we're going to be fruitful in our lives at all, in a way that counts, it always starts with the seed of God's word. And we believe that so strongly, we wrote this down in the guiding vision. We continue to believe strongly in the supernatural power of the preaching and teaching of the word of God as a critical element of healthy discipleship growth. That we know there is no church without the Word of God. The seed is powerful. It is the gospel, the good news about Jesus. It is God's holy Word. And as powerful as this seed is, according to Jesus' parable, it still experiences different outcomes based on where and on what it lands. So let's look at this a little bit further. Jesus explains in verse 12, the seeds that fell on the footpath. In the story he talks about, seed falling along the path and birds coming and snatching away that seed easily, just taking it completely away. The seeds that fell on the footpath represent those who hear the message only to have the devil come and take it away from their hearts and prevent them from believing and being saved. When when our hearts are this soil that's near the path, We are near the traffic and chaos and noise of the world. 
The coming and the going, the voices, the ideas, the philosophies of this world that leave out God are like so many birds of prey looking to pick off whatever good and godly truths may get near us. God's word comes, but the traffic and the ideas that never seem to stop, that are rushing by, just snatch it away. Because we've chosen to live near all of that. Think about what we've learned just in the last couple of weeks about Facebook's algorithm, right? That Facebook finds itself successful when you and I increase our engagement on their platform. But what increases engagement most? Anger. That if posts can be sent our way that keep us angry, then engagement goes up. Now, cycle a society through that for several years and see what you get. Talk about spiritual formation, right? The footpath of this world and all that it tries to feed us and all the activity there will snatch away far too easily the good seed that's trying to take root in us. The evil of the world, the selfishness of our human nature, they can blind us to the truth of God so that even when we hear the truth plainly, it doesn't stick because it gets plucked up. I call that being a human bird feeder. Picture this, each of us today is receiving the seed of the Word of God. This parable is happening right now. It's being acted upon right now. It's taking place. Perhaps you're hearing it for the first time, or the first time in a long time, or perhaps you're hearing it yet again as a growing Christian. But let me exhort you, don't be a bird feeder. Don't get filled up with the Word this morning only to let the way of thinking and living that this world espouses and celebrates. Pick, pick, pick at the truth you're being given. When God's word says, do not fear, and you face a situation that calls for courage, but so many thoughts and distractions, like seagulls when you hold out some crackers, right? We can all picture that. They start to hover and come and convince you to be afraid. You say, I will not be a bird feeder. When you hear the words of Jesus saying, do not worry, ring in your ears, but anxiety rears its ugly vulture head and wants to chew on your joy in the Lord, you say, I will not be a bird feeder. When you remember the commandment to love one another, but the squawking crows of prejudice or revenge or self-justification come calling and try to remind you how angry you really do deserve to be, or how everyone is just like that so you can't trust anybody, you say, I will not be a bird feeder. Verse 13, Jesus says, The seeds that fell on rocky soil represent those who hear the message and receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they believe for a while, and then they fall away when they face temptation. The rocky soil is those who receive the message, but when the going gets tough, we let it go. The one thing that will help us ends up being the thing we dismiss, and that's a tragedy. What keeps us strong in the midst of temptation or trials? Jesus says it here, roots. Paul said it as well, be rooted in Jesus. What keeps you strong is roots. Jesus said people like the rocky soil have no roots, no depth. Our faith becomes shallow and it becomes merely a convenient faith. We haven't chosen to go deeper. We haven't continued to walk in him as we read earlier. So how do we put down roots? The answer is surprisingly simple in some ways. I found no other practice more effective in putting down roots than plowing our lives into the church, 
Finding a healthy community of Jesus followers and learning, growing, and serving together. A people who honor God's word and keep it open. A people who encourage each other to keep their hearts open as well. That's a powerful combination. And it's exactly the way roots are formed. In supportive, accountable community, under the love and grace of God, with his word and wisdom open in front of us. I've never met a well-rooted, flourishing Christian who bypassed that, not ever. Verse 14, Jesus goes on, The seeds that fell among the thorns represent those who hear the message, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the cares and riches and pleasures of this life, so they never grow into maturity. The thorns and weeds represent us when we let the worries and the temporary wealth of this life choke out the eternal truth and joy of Jesus' message. It can happen to any of us. We get confused about what's important. We accept the message of Christ, but then we quickly fold it into our list of good things, things we enjoy or things we've simply made a part of our lives. This just becomes one other thing. And when we let this happen then the gospel tries to grow in our hearts, but it's growing among the weeds of wealth and career and hobbies and family, and eventually it gets choked out by neglect. We kid ourselves into thinking we can have all these priorities when Jesus is letting us know, look, all those other things, important as they are, are only going to be well-ordered and fed and grow when you put first his kingdom, right? His righteousness, his love, his relationship with each of us. And when those things uh, choke out the real depth and meaning of God's word, then it says we never grow to maturity. And honestly, let's just be, maybe that's you today. We've all been there at different times. Maybe right now you're like, yeah, growing in Christ sounds good. I can't remember how many times I've actually heard a message like this one. And I remember I'll have seasons of growth, but it just doesn't really take. We've all been there. I want you to know that Jesus' goal for you is to grow into maturity, or as Paul said earlier, to grow strong in your faith. And that there, I I can practically guarantee you that what Jesus has said about these soils has something to say to each of us. And if growth has been something that's been hard to really find some traction on, or you can remember a time when you did, but man, it's been a while, chances are really, really good. That something Jesus has insightfully pointed out here is going on in your heart or in mine. And so let's talk about that. That's what church is all about. If you ever want to sit down and talk with a pastor, with an elder, or just a brother and sister in Jesus about what's going on in your heart that might be keeping you from growing, man, that is what church is all about. Amen? That's what we're here for. Let's all grow into maturity. Because see, the good news is, it doesn't have to be this way for you and me. We can choose to become, every day we can become more and more like the good soil of the parable, the last soil Jesus talks about. The message and reality of Jesus can get firmly planted in us. We can let Jesus, the master teacher, lead us, and we can choose to stay his students. Verse 15, Jesus says, And the seeds that fell on the good soil represent honest, good-hearted people who hear God's word, cling to it, and patiently produce a huge harvest. Someone say huge harvest. Yeah, that sounds good, doesn't it? Here the seed does what it was intended to do. Be fruitful and change the landscape 
of our lives, our hearts, our minds, our souls. And why is it able to do this? Because it landed on soil that has room for it to grow. A heart that's been tended and prepared off the beaten path with rocks removed and weeds cleared. This is church. This is the greenhouse. This is a place for growth, an ideal condition in which growth can be maximized. And so, friends, if you're thinking about your own heart, something about those soils sounds familiar. You're in a place where you can get off that beaten path of the world and begin to hear because you've created some space for some peace to hear the word of God and really let it land. You're in a place in which there are people who will say, hey, I've had rocks in my life. Maybe you got some rocks in yours, some traumas from the past, some addictions that are gripping you, any number of things that are keeping you from going deep. Let me help you with that. Let's get some of those rocks removed so that your heart is better prepared to receive God's word. There's not a one of us, not a one of us that hasn't had to have some rocks removed from our lives, okay? We're all in this together. Or we get distracted by the worry and the hurry, the busyness of life, and those weeds are cropping up. And we sure are glad that somewhere in there the gospel, we hope, is growing. But man, there's a lot of other stuff happening too. And sometimes you just got to have some help clearing the weeds. That too is what a church is for. We're here for you in that regard. Your small group is here for you. Your pastors are here for you. Your brothers and sisters in Christ are here for you so that we can be ready to receive that word. So amazing things can happen. So in the end, there's only one main question that the, soil, that the parable of the soils forces us to ask, which soil am I? Am I the soil that ends up, the seed bounces off the hardened pathway, or it withers in the rocks, or it's choked by weeds, or it's ready to receive? And if I'm not the good soil, at least maybe not today, how do I become so? Again, this is what church is for. Let's find those answers together. Back to Colossians as we wrap this up. Don't let anyone capture you, Paul says, with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that come from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world rather than from Christ. He says, pay attention to what you're feeding yourself. Pay attention to, to what you're believing or letting, your, letting inform your decision-making. And make sure that you're weeding out the things that aren't going to make you fruitful. Real quick, let's just think of again of those four Gospels that we looked at a couple of weeks ago. We talked about the fact that there are some misguided versions of the Gospel that any of us as Christians can fall into. The prosperity Gospel, the forgiveness-only Gospel, the Gospel of rightness, and then, of course, the good Gospel of Jesus Christ. But let's look at them again through this filter of answering the question, what is growth? What does spiritual growth mean? What we're talking about today, because each of these will find uh, will provide their own answer. The gospel of prosperity says that spiritual growth looks like blessing, circumstantial blessing, material blessing, more and more of it. That spiritual growth just means more blessing. But when more blessing doesn't always come on our timetable, what it fosters in us is impatience and self-centeredness. The gospel becomes all about me and I'm driven by a form of lust. More, more, more. 
The gospel of forgiveness only is very different than that first one, but equally damaging. For the gospel of forgiveness uh, really just judges uh, my spiritual growth by attendance. Do I make it to church often enough to ask for forgiveness and stay on God's good side? If so, then I'm growing as much as I really need to. Because remember, this is the gospel of minimalism. The idea that I should continue to walk in Christ is really irrelevant. That might be what some super spiritual people do, but really I just want to make sure that I go to heaven when I die. So I become pretty apathetic. But the side effect is that I'm self-loathing because I define everything about Jesus in terms of the sin that I need forgiven and where my account is today with Jesus. So we become people who really tally our sin and don't get to enjoy grace. We do what we think that we can live in license. Anything goes because everything's forgiven. And we somehow think that will be fulfilling, but we end up deeply empty. Now, the gospel of rightness, of course, says that blessing is in knowledge. The more I know, the more blessed I am. The more right I am, the more correct I am, the more I can correct others. I get pretty smug and self-righteous. I'm living in legalism, just rule following, and there's nothing joyful here, and there's certainly no love, which is what the gospel of Jesus Christ is all about, right? In this Uh, gospel, growth is defined by relationship. I'm growing in a personal relationship with Jesus who knows me and loves me. I long to grow in him. I'm drawn to him. This isn't something I do out of duty or something I do out of selfishness. This is something I do out of fulfillment and I become fairly self-forgetful. It's all about him. What did we sing earlier? Turn your eyes on Jesus and the things of this world just grow strangely dim. It's less about me and more about him, and I'm driven by love. When we see how we can easily go off track, it helps us then, reminders like this help us to stay on track. But let's finish up what Paul is saying here to the Colossians. I'm in verse 9. For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. So you also are complete through your union with Christ, who is the head over every ruler. And authority. This is a great place for us to land because when you think about that fourth gospel, it's driven by relationship, a love relationship. And what Paul is reminding his readers and by, by extension us today is that this growth that he wants to see happen in his, uh, in his friends, these Christians, these new Christians, it happens because we are united with Christ. We are in union with him. We're complete. We're mature through our union with him. So friends, let me summarize it this way. We grow in Jesus by being with Jesus. And we're with Jesus because we love him. And if we don't love him much, it's only because we don't yet know him well. You can take this to the bank. The more you get to know him, the more you will love him. And the more you love him, the more you will be drawn to him, the more you will grow in him, and the more you will become like him. But if we start with thinking, I want to draw near to God so I can be blessed, or I want to draw near to God so I can get my sins forgiven, and only that, or if I want to draw near to God so I can have answers to all the questions and be right all the time, then we start at the wrong place, we end up at the wrong place. But when I start with the fact that Jesus loves me, this I know, right? Then I wind up in a place that all that other stuff can come and I can grow in all kinds of ways because I'm loving and being loved by the Son of God who knows me all too well and loves me anyway. Nothing has grown me more than turning my eyes on Jesus. Amen? 
In Christ lives all the fullness of God, Paul promises. And we as a church are simply a people who are learning to live in the love and the fullness of God in Christ. When we do, we will grow in more ways than we can count or imagine, and we will do it together. What's our mission? To develop all of us as disciples of Jesus who are connecting and growing as well as serving and going. Let's pray about that. God, we thank you for the powerful truth that your word has provided for us today. Jesus, when we think about you telling that parable, the insight that you have into each of our human hearts, we're amazed. It kind of puts us back on our heels because it's like you're just, you're reading us. You're reading our story. We're in it. We're right there. We all can relate. And so, Lord, it becomes our prayer this morning, one I can't help but think you're delighted to answer. Make us the good soil. God, where there are rocks that we've allowed to remain in our lives, we ask that you would help us to remove them by your Spirit. We know that you're good at that, excavating those things that keep us shallow and not deep. Lord, when we let weeds and thorns grow that begin to choke out the beauty and the clarity and the power of your word in our lives, Lord, help us to clear that, that, those, those weeds, to clear that, that garden bed of our hearts that you might grow and flourish. And Lord, when we, when we spend too much time paying too much attention to how this world acts and thinks and how it would want us to do the same, we ask that you would help us to Veer into a special, peaceful place with you. Lord, we thank you that that's the kind of prayer that you long to hear and that you love to answer. And so we pray it to you in your powerful name. Amen.